Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. to maintain itself for more than 25 years, there must be a fertility rate of 2.11 children per family. With anything less, the culture will decline. Historically, no culture has ever reversed a 1.9 fertility rate, a rate of 1.3 impossible to reverse, because it would take 80 to 100 years to correct itself, and there is no economic model that can sustain a culture during that time. In other words, if two sets of parents each have one child, there are half as many children as parents. If those children have one child, then there are one-fourth as many grandchildren as grandparents. If only a million babies are born in 2006, it's hard to have two million adults enter the workforce in 2026. As the population shrinks, so does the culture. As of 2007, the fertility rate in France was 1.8, England 1.6, Greece 1.3, Germany 1.3, Italy 1.2, Spain 1.1. Across the entire European Union of 31 countries, the fertility is a mere 1.38. Historical research tells us these numbers are impossible to reverse. In a matter of years, Europe as we know it will cease to exist. Yet the population of Europe is not declining. Why? Immigration. Islamic immigration. Of all population growth in Europe since 1990, 90% has been Islamic immigration. France, 1.8 children per family. Muslims, 8.1. In southern France, traditionally one of the most populated church regions in the world, there are now more mosques than churches. 30% of children ages 20 and younger are Islamic. In the larger cities such as Nice, Marseille and Paris, that number has grown to 45%. By 2027, one in five Frenchmen will be Muslim. In just 39 years, France will be an Islamic Republic. In the last 30 years, the Muslim population of Great Britain rose from 82,000 to 2.5 million, a 30-fold increase. There are over 1,000 mosques, many of them former churches. In the Netherlands, 50% of all newborns are Muslim, 
and in only 15 years, half of the population of the Netherlands will be Muslim. In Russia, there are over 23 million Muslims. That's one out of five Russians. 40% of the entire Russian army will be Islamic in just a few short years. Currently in Belgium, 25% of the population and 50% of all newborns are Muslim. The government of Belgium has stated one-third of all European children will be born to Muslim families by 2025, just 17 years away. The German government, the first to talk about this publicly, recently released a statement saying, the fall in the German population can no longer be stopped. Its downward spiral is no longer reversible. It will be a Muslim state by the year 2050. Muammar al-Qaddafi of Libya said, There are signs that Allah will grant victory to Islam in Europe without swords, without guns, without conquest. We don't need terrorists. We don't need homicide bombers. The 50-plus million Muslims in Europe will turn it into a Muslim continent within a few decades. There are currently 52 million Muslims in Europe. The German government said that number is expected to double in the next 20 years to 104 million. Closer to home, the numbers tell a similar story. Right now, Canada's fertility rate is 1.6, nearly a full point below what is required to sustain a culture. And Islam is now the fastest growing religion. Between 2001 and 2006, Canada's population increased by 1.6 million, 1.2 of those immigration. In the United States, the current fertility rate of American citizens is 1.6. With the influx of the Latino nations, the rate increases to 2.11, the bare minimum required to sustain a culture. In 1970, there were 100,000 Muslims in America. Today, there are over 9 million. The world is changing. It's time to wake up. Three years ago, a meeting of 24 Islamic organizations was held in Chicago. The transcripts of that meeting showed in detail their plans to evangelize America through journalism, politics, education, and more. They said, we must prepare ourselves for the reality that in 30 years, there will be 50 million Muslims living in America. The world that we live in is not the world in which our children and grandchildren will live. The Catholic Church recently reported that Islam has just surpassed their membership numbers. Some studies show that at Islam's current rate of growth, in five to seven years, it will be the dominant religion of the world. As believers, we call upon you to join the effort to share the gospel message with the changing world. This is a call to action. Hello, everybody. Thank I love how that DVD ended. I have a few copies of that DVD on my table if you want to pick up one. But do you remember how the DVD ended? This is a call to action. And that's why I believe God allowed me to come here 
to share with you, give you what he gave me, so together we can take more action and we can win more Muslims to Christ. So the first point that the DVD helped me to communicate is Muslims are growing very rapidly all over the world. It's about time that the church in America wake up. Three, we must take action. Every four persons living in the world today, one of them is a Muslim. Muslim population doubles every 20 years. In America, we have about 20 million Muslims. Now, most of these Muslims don't know what we are talking about. Uh, Muslims say, uh, you Christians say, uh, Jesus is the son of God. How can God have a son if he does not have a wife? Hello? And you say God loves his son and watching him being murdered? If you are a father, you saw a bunch of criminals killing your child. Wouldn't you go to rescue him? Don't you love your child? That's what a good loving heavenly father would have done if Jesus is his son. In other ways, since they were children, Muslims are taught certain way. They are given certain logic, certain reasons to accept Islam and reject Christianity. They never been introduced to the beauty, the power, the depth of the Christian faith. The reasons, logic behind the Christian faith never been communicated to them effectively. Because many of us know that communication takes place not only in the words of the speaker, but also in the understanding of the listener. I know that very well. Changing my culture from Egyptian Middle Eastern culture to American culture, I had a culture shock for five years. <laughs> Let me give you an example. I used to be very lonely, so I would go to church. I see a beautiful American girl worshiping Jesus, and then I see her next week and the week after, and I say, Wow, she's awesome. I go to her, uh, My name is Sammy Tanako. Nice to meet you. And she would look at me and say, What's up? Up, nothing. <laughs> All I want is your parents' phone number. <laughs> what for? My parents are coming in the summer. I want my parents to call your parents. Why? <laughs> they talk like that in Orange County. <laughs> because you are beautiful and you love Jesus. Maybe our families can talk with us and maybe we can pray together and think and meet with each other in your home, and maybe we can see if it is God's will. I don't know. Maybe we get married. Married! <laughs> the first time I see you, I told her, no, I saw you last week and the week before. I know you love Jesus. I know, and you are beautiful. I like you. Maybe we can talk. I think this is good. She said, no, this is weird. No, I'm not weird. I am normal. I am normal man. I love Jesus. I am good. My parents are good people. And the more I try... The more I am rejected, and I always wondered why. I have great sense of humor. I look good. <laughs> I'm so humble. <laughs> to me, this is the most honorable way to approach a girl. And this still is. To her, this is the most ridiculous, uncool way that any man can approach her. So I, I discovered that I get rejected simply because I miscommunicated. And you know something? I believe 
that God wants us to communicate the gospel, the most important message in the world, his love and salvation, in the most effective, understandable way to Muslims. So communicating Jesus to Muslims is different than to atheists. And here it comes the commandment, love God with all your mind. Use your mind in the most possible way, and that was my calling, to present to Jesus the biblical teaching in the most understandable, convincing way to educated Muslims. So when we give the seed, we give the seed on good ground, on a heart and the mind that understand. So the seed will produce the fruit. Still, God, the Holy Spirit, is going to use the word of God to penetrate the Muslim heart and mind, and the Muslim need to repent, but at least we are giving the seed, we are giving the word of God the most favorable context and the best chance of being understood and accepted. And I believe God wants us to do that. God wants us to answer their questions in the most effective way. And we penetrate their heart, engage their feelings through using stories and parables. And uh, we not only deal with their objections, actually we love their objections. We use their objections as a stepping stone to the gospel. My friend, Pastor Brian Nixon, uh, wanted me to talk a little bit about something uh, in my book. So, for example, uh, we tell Muslims, how about if you saw me one day taking my son in one hand and a knife to butcher him with the other? Wouldn't that even be far worse than just watching him being murdered? The Muslim will agree. We will tell him, well, uh, how can you explain that Prophet Abraham the father Abraham, whom Muslims are commanded to follow his faith and, and to imitate his lifestyle, and Muhammad is commanded to, to follow the religion and the faith of Abraham, Abraham was one day about to do that. Was he a good father? Was he, was he a good prophet? Muslim will tell you, of course he was. Tell him, well, how can you explain that he was about to butcher his son? The Muslim will agree with us that if Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son for God, then he proved that he has sacrificial love for God. And we tell him, wow, that is exactly what God wants us to discover from the story of Abraham, his commandment to Abraham. Romans 5, 8, God manifested his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then we can go on and on and on. I have a couple of chapters about Abraham. Why God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, not his money or his cattle or his land. Even the commandment doesn't look good. Sacrifice your son. Well, the Muslim will agree with you that if Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son for God, then he proved that he is willing to give God everything and anything he has. Because his son is the most precious thing to his heart. And tell him, wow, that is exactly what God wants you to discover from the story of Abraham. Uh, his commandment to Abraham mentioned in the Quran and explained in the Bible. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So now we are using his objection to build the bridge and to, to, to use it as a stepping stone to make a far more effective presentation of Jesus than any normal presentation would have achieved.
and so forth. Now, why this is important? It's important because most of the Muslim world never heard the message communicated to them, the message of the gospel, effectively. And for so many reasons, of course, Satan want to stop the church from being equipped to witness effectively to Muslims. Jesus, uh, 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 Satan wants to stop us from helping Muslims understand God's love and salvation. Let me give you Example, I spoke at Biola University a couple of years ago. One of the speakers was Richard Vera. He's the director of the multi-ethnic evangelism uh, to the Southern Baptist denomination in California, ethnic ministry. He oversees a few states now. Uh, he asked me to speak in his conference. I told him I can't. I'm already committed to speak someplace else. But I gave him everything God gave me, the books, CDs, DVDs, and I told him, well, you, you do it, you get the job done. And then he sent me a few emails. One of the emails, he said something so true. He said, most Christians respond to Muslims in either one of two ways. One, they keep a distance from them because they feel inadequate to witness to them. They don't know how. Or two, they keep them at arm's length out of suspicion, fear, or anger. Aha. Uh -huh. I discovered that Satan used... 9-11 terrorist attack, Satan used the war between Muslims and the Americans, Iraq, Afghanistan, and the American soldiers are killed, and of course all of us pray for our American soldiers, and all of us pray for the American government, and Satan used our love and the support to Israel, most of the Christians in America, and Satan managed successfully the deceiver to penetrate our hearts and mind and put negative feelings and thoughts toward the Muslims. He managed successfully to rob the church most of the Christian leaders from the greatest motivation to share Jesus effectively to Muslims, which is, talk to me, love. Love. Because we always want to share Jesus with somebody that we love, or somebody that like me, or somebody that admire me and respect me, or my friends, but our enemies, they can go to hell. That is exactly what the church has done, for example, in America. Let me give you an evidence. The church in America, church leaders, spend billions of dollars every year on so many things, nice things, but they don't spend the 2% of their budget or time to communicate the gospel effectively to Muslims who never heard it communicated to them one time in their lifetime. And we are praying passionately that God will change this picture and will put it in the heart of Christian leaders to have a desire to equip their people to witness effectively to Muslims. You know, I prayed for five years that God will open the door for me to come here. And God answers prayers. And I sent Pastor Skip many letters, many phone calls, many rejections, many more prayers, many more prayers, and the door is open. Nothing is impossible for God. You keep at it. You keep doing what God wants you to do. You keep praying. You keep trying to serve God the way he called you to serve him. And God will open the door and God will use you. Now, now let's move on to the second point, which is God's heart and mind. 
before we run out of time. So uh, the first slide we have is Genesis 12. God chose Abraham and God told Abraham, I will bless you and through you all, underline the word all, the families of the earth will be blessed. You know, God is telling us, Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, the same thing. God is telling you, I blessed you. I put you in the greatest country in the world, America. I give you one of the most awesome pastors in America, Escape Isaac. I mean, this guy, you know, this guy, this man is a brilliant Christian teacher and, the, and an awesome character and just have a balance and have the personality and you just fall in love with him the first minute you talk with him. And not only you, but all the pastors, we just love escape and love the gift that God gave him, the leadership and, and the teaching and all that. We are sinful people. We fall short, unfortunately. God forgave all of our sins because of Jesus, his grace and mercy. Life is short. God gave us eternal life. You know how short life is? It can end just like that. Boom, life is over. Maybe 15 more years, half of us here will be either dead or very old and sick and about to die. And the other half, most of them will be old and sick and will die soon too. <laughs> this is the good news I came to share with you tonight. <laughs> you will get sick and die soon. <laughs> I am serious, kind of. Life is unpredictably short. But God gave us eternal life to enjoy His presence, share His kingdom and glory forever. And God promised to be with us here every minute. And God promised to reward us big time for everything we've done for Him. God is telling all of us, as I chose Abraham and blessed him, so I can use him as a blessing to all the families of the earth. I chose you, and you, and me, and you, and you, and you. God picked us up and blessed us because he loves you, but don't ever forget, because he has big plans to use Calvary Chapel Albuquerque as a blessing to multitudes of families. You know, one of the secrets of the Christian uh, life, the successful one, the happy life, is the more you let God use your life as a blessing, the more He's going to bless you. Why? Because God knows that your ability to be a blessing is very limited. And God want to use you, if you cooperate with Him, He's going to bless you more, so you can be more of a blessing. Why? Because this is His plan. Now, we know from Genesis 17 that God promised Abraham to bless Ishmael. Ishmael is the physical and the spiritual ancestor to the Muslim people. They came from Ishmael. When God gave circumcision to Abraham as the sign of the covenant, Abraham and Ishmael were circumcised together. The Bible records God was with Ishmael as he grew up. In Genesis 16, God promised Hagar to multiply her descendants exceedingly. Next verse, God himself named the Hagar unborn son Ishmael, which means God hears. The same verse, God heard Hagar's affliction. Hagar was called Abraham's wife one time in the Bible. 
Genesis 21, God hears the Ishmael crying. It's like God want to tell us, I want you to hear the cry of Muslims. Do they cry? Oh, do they cry? You've seen what's happening in the Muslim world. Muslims are killing each other all over the Muslim world. Muslims are rebelling against their bad Muslim government. Muslims are demanding human rights. They are discovering that their Muslim leaders are bad leaders. They are discovering that they are in a horrible, dysfunctional family. And they are looking for good family. They are looking for, 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 for answers to life's most important questions. And don't forget, most of the Muslim people have a sincere desire to have a good relationship with God and to please God. Different than the Westerner people. European, Australian, Canadian, non-Christian Americans, uh, they don't really care much about uh, God. Uh, but most of the Muslim people, they are God-conscious people. They, this is something in their culture, in their blood. The name of God, the thought about God is in their mind all the time. They remind me of Cornelius. You remember Cornelius in the book of Acts? A man who feared God. And actually, uh, uh, the Bible records a very interesting statement. The almas of Cornelius were accepted. Wow! Cornelius was neither a Jew nor born again Christian, but his efforts to fast, to pray, to help the poor, his effort to live with a good conscience and to please the Creator was accepted by God. God was saying, I am impressed. Peter, go tell him about Jesus. But before God can use Peter, God needed to help Peter overcome his prejudice toward a God-fearing man from a different color skin and different background. And that's what God's trying to do with the church, trying to make the church go to Muslims, go to Arabs, communicate Jesus effectively to them, love them like we love the Israelis or the European or the blue eyes and so forth. God is making progress. God is making progress. You remember in Genesis 21, when Hagar and Ishmael were dying from thirst, God intervened, told Hagar, do not be afraid. I hear the Ishmael crying. Lift up Ishmael by the hand. I will make into him a great nation. Wow. And God personally saved their lives. You know, this story proves that Ishmael's birth was not just merely, simply a mistake Abraham did. Uh-uh. You would agree with me, if it were just a mistake, God could have let them die. Just let them die. Please, somebody agree. Thank you. But when, when God intervened and opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well of water miracle and saved their lives, and they said these gentle words to Hagar, Aha! God proved that He has marvelous plans from the birth of Ishmael and the special love for him. Isaiah 21. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. First Chronicle chapter 1. A thousand years after Ishmael's death, his name and his first two sons' names, Kedar and Nebaioth, were carefully recorded in the genealogies of the Holy Text. Isaiah 21 tells us that Kedar came from Kedar is the father of the Arab people. So in, in, in first Chronicle, Ishmael's first two sons is Kedar and Nebaioth. In Isaiah 21, we know that the Arab people came from Kedar. 
This is very important. Why? Because in Isaiah 60, God told us, All Kedar's flocks will be gathered to God. Wow! The rams of Nebaioth will serve God. They will be accepted as offerings on God's altar. This is extremely exciting. You know what makes that verse one of the most significant verses, prophecy in the Bible? You know why? I made my research. I discovered that the time God gave these words to Prophet Isaiah and told him to say these words, Kedar and Nebaioth already had been dead a thousand years ago. Are you with me? Aha. Clearly, forget about my picture. Bring me that verse again. <laughs> Clearly, God was not referring to Kedar and Nebaioth, but he was referring to... Talk to me. Their children, their descendants. Arabs and Muslims will be gathered with their families. They will be saved in the day of the harvest. Let me give you a personal testimony. You know, we done ministry to Muslims since we were in Egypt, 1976. But about four years ago, God spoke to me and my wife and told us, stop trying to reach Muslims by yourself. You are not going to be able to, to reach too many of them. You need to start a ministry, non-profit ministry, glad news for Muslims, and take this ministry to the churches. I will open the door, and I will give you the message. And I want you to do two things, to motivate, equip, the believers to witness to Muslims, give them what I gave you. But when God spoke to us that day, the first question we had is, which Bible verse are we going to put in our letterhead? As soon as we asked the question, God gave us John 10:16. Jesus said, I have other sheep are not of this sheepfold. I must, must also bring them. And they will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock, one shepherd. God wants the church in America to know that multitudes of these sheep are the flocks and the rams of Kedar and Nebaioth. You know, if I have uh, $20,000 right now, I will go into all the Christian radio stations. If I have $100,000, I will go into all the satellite stations in America and Europe, and I will share the message that I'm sharing with you tonight. Next verse is Jeremiah 49. Iranian Muslims will come to Christ. I spend $7,000 of my financial partner's money to translate my book uh, to Farsi. Why? Because God is going to bring Iranian Muslims to Christ, and he is looking for people to take action. Isaiah 19.21, God promised to save Muslims in Egypt, my country, about 60, 65 million Muslims. Isaiah 19.25, God said, blessed be Egypt, my people, your people. That's what God said, my people. Assyria, the work of my hand, Israel, my inheritance. Acts 2, Arab people were evangelized. People in heaven will come from all over the world. And the Muslims are growing all over the world. That's good. Let them grow. They're going to come to Christ. And we have prophecies that many Muslims and Arabs will come to Christ. The conclusion is multitudes of Muslims 
will be in heaven. The only question that remains to be answered is who God will use to tell them about Jesus. Let me give you one more evidence that God is working. You remember the Passion of Christ movie? You remember before the movie was released, a big rumor got out there the movie is anti-Semitic against the Jews because it shows that they crucified Jesus. Now, you and I know the reason Jesus was crucified was not the Jews. This is the fulfillment of the prophecies. Jesus came to die to pay the penalty for our sins. All of you know that because you are Wednesday night, you know, committed believers. <laughs> Usually Sunday morning I share the gospel, but I don't need to do that with you. Uh, if, you are not, if you are not born again Christian, I want to give you a, a, a free copy of my new book as a gift, The True Love. Now, God used this rumor that the movie is against the Jews, against the Israelis, to do what? To get most of the Muslim leaders very excited about the movie. I'm glad you are laughing. I was jumping in my home. As soon as the movie was released, most of the Muslim leaders bought the movie, put it in their theaters, and told their people, go watch what the bad Jews have done to the good prophet Jesus. I was jumping. I said, yes, go watch what they done. <laughs> you talking about at least seven, eight hundred million Muslims all over the Muslim world ran to the theater. I got an email, for example, from one of my good friends, missionary in the Arab countries for 20 years. He told me, Sammy, I could not believe my eyes. I went to seven, eight theaters. I saw thousands of Muslims weeping when they saw Jesus crucified. The talk of Muslim towns for weeks and months, guess about who? You can say Jesus in a church. <laughs> no. The Muslim leader said, enough talk about Jesus. Get the movie out of the theater. Throw it in the garbage. It was too late. It was too late. They started getting more dreams, more vision. They started thinking about Jesus more. God is preparing the Muslim world. Muslims are emotional people. Our culture, the Middle East culture, the Muslim culture is emotional different than the Western culture. So God used the most extreme emotional method, the passion of Christ, to penetrate their heart and make them feel His love and salvation. Muslims are not like Americans trained to control their feelings. You know, nine years ago, working for the county of Orange, a government job, my boss told me, I'm going to send you to take a good class. I told her, thank you. Computer, she said, no. The class title is, How You Control Your Feelings. <laughs> I thought she is kidding. I told her, why? What's wrong with my feelings? I am normal. Do you see me screaming or raising my voice? She said, no, 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 you are okay. I told her, so why do you give me? I want to take computer to be smart like Americans. She said, no, you're going to take that class. I told her, why? She said, you express your feelings so much. I told her, I thought this is good in communication. She said, no, actually, no. You came here to do a job, uh, office work. We are not interested of knowing how you feel about uh, many things. <laughs> I cried. I cried for a few days when she told me that. You know, Americans are very good in controlling their feelings. I used to work as a waiter in a company came from Denver. It's called La Peep. And I was doing a great job, and one day I ate with my boss, and he was a Christian. And next day he told me, Sammy, I told him, what, John? He said, oh, we decided to let you go. 
I told him, thank you, where are you sending me? You know, <laughs> and then I discovered that he was firing me. And he did not tell me why. I, I had a hard time for two months. And then I went back. I told him, why did you fire me? We just ate together lunch yesterday. And you firing me the next day? Why? And, and I told him I was doing a good job. He said, it's not that. You talked about Jesus with the waitresses. And they did not like you. They did not like to work with you. They did not like to talk with each other around you. And we discovered that you are not in harmony with the team. But we decided to let you go. But... Please do not take that personal. <laughs> you know, uh, don't feel sorry about me. Uh, a few months later, God got me a job in the government. You never lose when you lose for Jesus. You lose only temporary. This is my experience. And the company closed and they went back to Denver. Now, what's my point? My point is, Muslims are emotional. So God used emotional method good news is God already started bringing Muslims to Christ it started fulfilling the prophecies how do I know that? I know that from my ministry I can give you a few examples uh, 1998 before 9-11 I spoke at Horizon School of Evangelism a Muslim woman came and the pastor Chris Olson I spoke for 8 hours uh, Pastor Chris Olson, he's still on the staff there with Mike McIntosh, uh, Horizon Church, sent me a letter. He said, thank you for speaking for eight hours, answering the Muslim questions. She came to Christ. The Muslim lady that came to, came to the seminar came to Christ. Here is Antioch Calvary Chapel in Philadelphia. After I spoke, I got an email from the senior pastor, Aaron. He is still the senior pastor. He said, also, it was amazing to find out that Leo, one of the members of our worship team, actually gave his life to Christ and got saved out of Islam five years ago, literally after reading a copy of your book. Also, the Sunday you came to share, a Muslim man by the name of Aaron gave his life to the Lord after hearing you speak as well, Antia Calvary Chapel. After, wait a minute, wait a minute, we don't have much time, I have so much to share with you. But, but thank you. Obviously, it is not the one minute I spoke about Jesus. Obviously, God was preparing him. Calvary Chapel, Reggie Crest in California. I got a, a, an email from the secretary, Andrea. She's still working there in Calvary Chapel, Reggie Crest. She said, in 201, my parents bought a truck from a Muslim salesman. They gave, me, gave him a copy of your book. He sent us an email a week later. He said, I read the book. I believe in Jesus. Calvary Chapel, Chittanooga. I spoke there, and after the second service... Uh, Sunday, a Muslim woman from Libya was visiting the church. Somebody invited her, and she went crying to the front after the second service. She grabbed the senior pastor, Pastor Frank. I just saw him in the pastor's conference uh, the past couple of days. And she grabbed the mission pastor, Pastor Eric, and she told him, I can't believe what I heard. God really loves me. Jesus really died on the cross for my sins. I need to surrender my life to Jesus right now. You pray for, with me. You are the senior pastor. You are the mission pastor. They told me, pray with me. She became born again, and she attended Sunday night seminar. Calvary Chapel, Chattanooga. Call Pastor Frank or Pastor Eric. Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Chuck Smith, uh, uh, one of the pastors is John Chubek. He was a missionary overseas. We sent our book to as many, we sent the book to as many countries as we can. Thank God for the financial partners. And he sent me an email and he said, we gave your book to a very dedicated Iraqi Muslim lawyer. He read the book. 
he came to Christ. You can call John Schubeck. As a lawyer, I'm just giving you evidence that Muslims are coming to Christ. And I am glad God gave me this evidence. Calvary Chapel Corona. Another email. Jack Hibbs Church, a few thousand uh, members at Calvary Chapel. I got an email from Jokery, a missionary supported by the church. And he told me, I know, Daniel, want you to know how your book is being used in Morocco. We sent the book to Morocco. That's a letter from Chuck Smith. That's a letter from the California Southern Baptist Convention Director, Randy McQuarter. He told me, you spoke in my church. Two Muslims came to Christ. I got an email. That's a letter from a ministry. Uh, he told me I was able to send them one Arabic glad news to share with the MBB Muslim background believers in North Africa. Uh, this was a good encouragement to the work in that area. Our MBB contact emailed us a month later saying that this one book had traveled the nation and two Muslims had accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Now they are re requesting 500 copies. This is Calvary Chapel Corona, Calvary Chapel Lewis Ebisbo. I can keep you the whole day reading testimonies to you of Muslims coming to Christ. Actually, uh, Brent, if we can listen to my pastor testimony, that will be great. Uh, pastor Chuck Smith. I have a co-worker who I can consider somewhat of a friend uh, who is Muslim. And uh -huh. uh, he, we talk here and there. I'm not as knowledgeable as I should be about the Bible. And uh, I would love to be more knowledgeable and try to help him, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I'm concerned. And, but it's hard to um, answer some of his questions concerning uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I, I would love to know what to do, uh, what kind of format to go through, uh, whether we're giving him a book. I had given him a Bible. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I don't know, you know, hopefully he still has that in his house. Okay, we, we do have a fellow here in our church Chuck Smith, yeah. uh, okay. who is an Egyptian, and uh, he probably knows more about the Muslim faith than what they know. That's me. Uh, he's very, very uh, versed in uh, the Muslim religion, and he's written a book titled God Loves You, My Muslim Friend. And uh, many Muslims have uh, been converted uh, after reading this book. So I would suggest that if you want to give your uh, friend something that would really help him, because it takes the Muslim beliefs and it sort of takes the Bible and uh, sort of shows comparisons and so forth. And uh, I would highly recommend that you give him this book by Sami Tanaho, and God loves you, my Muslim friend. What does that prove to you? It proves to you that there is a huge number of Muslims out there are thirsty people drinking from salty water. They don't really believe in Islam. They know Islam does not work. They know the problems. They know that they are living in a leaky roof house. They know the problems of Islam. However, they say living in a leaky roof house is better than living in the street. We don't understand Christianity either. We don't understand the Trinity. We don't know uh, if there is answers to our questions. And we don't know if the Christian family is going to welcome us as brothers and sisters or not. Maybe they only love Israel. Maybe they don't love us. We, they don't know. 
because there is wars also between Muslims and non-Muslims. So Satan is working to widen the gulf of separation between Muslims and the Americans and to stop the giant, the most powerful church in the world in America to communicate God's love, to manifest God's love and communicate Jesus effectively to Muslims. Satan is working. Better believe it. I get attacked almost every week. I'll be happy when I go to heaven. <laughs> My wife tell me, <laughs> this ministry brought us a lot of attack. Anyway, remember, where were you in there? Let me go back to the PowerPoint. Good news is, when you communicate the gospel effectively to Muslims, when they answer their questions, seven say no, but three say yes. We take Jesus. We run to Jesus. We need him. One of those Muslims is my wife. My wife, my, I, don't have to sh- I don't have time to share her testimony, but I brought some of her DVD outside. You can pick up a copy. Even if you don't have money, you can pick up a copy. Uh, my wife was born and raised as a Muslim, majoring in Islamic study, Arabic language in the most, one of the most prestigious Islamic universities in Egypt, became born again. Before they threw her in prison, one of the PhD Muslim professors believed her story. He started talking to Jesus. He got born again. In prison, she met three ex-Muslims. And they started praying and singing Christian songs. They attracted the Muslim prisoners and they asked them, why you are singing? The place is filthy, the smell is horrible, the food is awful. And one day they told him, we read in one of the newspapers, you could be executed. There is nothing to think about. Who are you? Why you are here? And they told him, listen, we are doing fine. We are happy. We are fine. We have peace. We enjoy God's presence when we put our faith in Jesus. And if they killed us, God is going to reward us for sacrificing our lives for him. Don't worry about us. But you got problems with the government. You need to talk to Jesus. Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said. Many of the women prisoners start talking to Jesus. Many got born again. And before they do anything bad to them, God used the best government in the world, America, to put pressure on the Egyptian government, threatened to reduce the American aid to Egypt if they don't set them free, and they set them free. I want to bring her next year on a Sunday to share her testimony with everybody. Now, why God is working in the Muslim world? Because God is love. Very simple. God loves the people, all people, including Muslims, and he knows that people who do not enjoy his presence are suffering. And because God loves the people, he longs to enter as many people's lives as possible to give them the best life possible on earth. That's what Jesus said. I came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, we suffer too as believers in Jesus, but we have a lot of help. We have the Holy Spirit to give us peace, Joy, hope, we have the word of God. God is going to use all things to work out together for our good because we love him. And we have the family of God. But people in the world and Muslims, when they suffer, they got no help. And God want to enter their lives to give them the best life possible on earth. And God enjoys spending time in heaven when more people go there. You remember what Jesus said in Luke 15? There is a celebration in heaven. When one sinner repents. Party time, the angels are dancing, hallelujah. One sinner repented over there, yes. That's what excites heaven and God more than anything else. And actually that's why God came. God took additional nature, a human nature, came in the person of Christ 
mocked, stripped naked, punched, slapped, whipped. God so suffered. Why? Because He so loved. Who? The world. And you notice the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Have you noticed what Jesus said about the second greatest commandment? You notice? You are right. Love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus said before that, the second greatest commandment is, you are right, like, exactly like the first one. Love your neighbor as... Why exactly like? Why loving God is as important to love our... You know, they are different. Love my neighbor as I love myself is exactly important as loving God. Yes. Why? Because I can't love God. I can't cause celebrations in heaven. I can't make people benefit from God's suffering without loving my neighbor and helping my neighbor to enter into fellowship with God. They are the same. That's why Jesus said... This is what the Bible is all about. Love God and love your neighbor. That's it. And now I have a book for your neighbor, your non-Christian American neighbor. I have a book, The True Love. And I want each one of you to establish a good relationship with one non-Christian person. Manifest God's love to one non-Christian person. American, Spanish, I don't care. Find a non-Christian person. Manifest God's love to him or her. Pray for that person and give him this book. And you don't have to pay for that book. My financial partners pay for that book. And take advantage of this because I never, you know, I always take money from Americans and give free materials to Muslims. But a couple of months ago, God changed my heart. <laughs> and, and God told me, don't discriminate against Americans, you know. <laughs> Uh, they are the ones that are supporting you. <laughs> so, take advantage of it, because next time I might change my mind. <laughs> I just don't like to give Americans free stuff. I want them to pay for Muslim evangelism. However, you can take a free copy and give it to a non-Christian neighbor and invite that person to church. Now, Muslims also are our neighbors, according to Disneyland. It's a small world after all. Right? Now, I have to finish. I can't complete my, my, uh, my presentation. I have to finish. But before I finish, I want to ask you, I want to ask you to pray and think about what kind of action you can take. You know, C.S. Lewis, uh, my hobby is reading Christian books. C.S. Lewis said, one of the demons complained to Satan and told them, look at these Christians, thousands of them getting together every week. They sing and they study the Bible. They look scary. And Satan told him, no, <laughs> don't worry about them. As long as we can stop them from taking action, they can be no threat to our kingdom. And the more they study the Bible and the more they sing and the more they feel without taking actions, the less they will be able to feel in the future and to take action in the future. Don't worry about them. And I want to encourage you to be a Christian who takes action. And I'm going to give you a few actions that I know has been used by God in my ministry to bring Muslims to Christ. I'm going to give it to you. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what God uses to bring Muslims to Christ. But you 
connect with God, and you do what God tells you to do. The first thing uh, is uh, Muslims come to Christ when people get this material, the book, the CD, the DVD, and then be equipped and then give them to Muslims. And by the way, if you, if you want to pay a check, if you want to pay money for the materials, uh, you write the check for glad news for Muslims. And you write in the memo, what did you get? That's clear? I don't want anybody to take anything without writing in the memo. Or I will be in trouble with the accountant. <laughs> so take whatever you want to take, pay whatever God put in your heart, and write in the memo, one glad news book, this, DVD, CD, and so forth. Okay. This is one course of action that brings Muslims to Christ. Two, introduce our ministry, introduce our ministry to more churches and Why? Because the more believers are equipped, the more Muslims come to Christ. See, I know how Muslims come to Christ. I have a very good idea. At least I know how some of them come to Christ. The more churches are equipped, the more Muslims come to Christ. So introduce our ministry to more Muslims. Three, you have a missionary going to Afghanistan. His name is Jerry. If God is blessing you financially and you can support him, support him. Use some of the money God is giving you to support missions to Muslims. Because there is not too many people reaching Muslims. <laughs> you know, I have to keep my government job since I came, you know, for 20 some years to be able to support myself. So, if God is blessing you financially and above your tithing, you can help a glad news for Muslims ministry, help my ministry, or help uh, the missionary ministry. Do that. Invest your money. You see, but it has to be above your tithing, like extra, some money extra. And instead of spending that money on a Starbucks, spend it on getting the gospel to Muslims. Be smart. Invest your money in a place that will bring eternal fruits. Uh, there is two ways to support my ministry. One way is to make one-time donation to Glad News for Muslims or to fill this form and to become a financial partner. Now, God gave me the calling. God gave me the education. God gave me the experience. God gave me the passion. God gave me the evangelistic tools. But God also gave me financial partners to enable me to distribute these materials to thousands of Muslims. And now I'm going to share with you a, a very exciting opportunity, Arabic Christian satellite. Brent, if you can put that on, please. Will be good. Arabic satellite uh, station operating from California, broadcasting the gospel to a couple of hundred million Muslims in the Middle East.
اشكرك يا شيخ سموير الحقيقه تشكر الدكتور مروان يعني لا واشكر الدكتور مروان جدا والشيخ عزيز شرف كبير قوي ان احنا نتناقش في الامور المهمه ايه الملخص اللي انت عايز تقوله كجمله اخيره الم... عن المسيح الملخص الاخير او ايه اخيره ان تميز المسيح واضح جدا في القران والانجيل so now we, I, I done one satellite program and this station i was in israel uh, a few weeks ago teaching at Calvary Chapel Bible College and uh, I spoke in seminaries as I told you and I spent the night uh, in one of the professors uh, in the seminary and I saw in his house this is uh, another seminary I saw in his house two Christ three, three Christian Arabic satellites so now the idea is raising more support so I and my wife can communicate this information instead of to 10, 15,000 Muslims every year to communicate it to tens of millions of Muslims. I don't know how many watches, but I was in Israel and I watched it, this program. And when I did this program, I watched uh, uh, other programs. Uh, this program that I did went to the Middle East and we got phone calls from Egypt and from uh, many parts in the Middle East. So now, if we were able to win hundreds of Muslims to Christ, maybe thousands, through satellite, maybe we can win a few millions. And that's my prayer. So you pray and you find out what God wants you to do. Maybe you are not gifted uh, a speaker. Maybe God did not call you to travel. Maybe God, God did not call you to write or to record. But maybe God blessed you with a good mind and you know how to make good money. That's great. Keep working and keep making money and keep giving money to your church, keep giving money to jury, keep giving money to our ministry, invest your money and your life, whatever talent God gave you to get the gospel out. Now lastly, we need a center for the ministry. We need a home for the ministry. Do you believe that right now the ministry is based in my home 940 square feet, one bedroom for my family and one bedroom as an office for the ministry. Imagine the 940 square feet is jammed with files, papers, books, and we are praying that God will put it in the heart of a rich American to donate a house or a building or $200,000 or something. So pray that God will do that, give us a center so we can invite volunteers to help us now that I am full-time, and we can train believers and train ex-Muslims, and we can have a storage area, we can have a home. We need a home for the ministry. And if a Muslim came to Christ and doesn't have a place to stay, maybe he can stay with us for a few months until he gets uh, his feet on the ground strong. So you pray what kind of action God wants you to do. Maybe God wants you just to pray. Pray. We need prayer. I need prayer. So whatever God is guiding you to do, do. And now I want to uh, end by a prayer because we are out of time and we just want to thank God for blessing us. Thank God for blessing America. Thank God for blessing Christians in America. Thank God for blessing Calvary Chapel Albuquerque. Thank God for forgiveness of sins. For Jesus Christ, 
Thank God for eternal life. Thank God He is with us every day. No matter what happens, He is faithful every day in every situation. And today, God, we want to tell you, we love you. Help us, God, to love you more. Help us to love you with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, God. God, today we want to tell you, help us to love our neighbors, non-Christian Americans, and, and to give them the message of your love and salvation. Give them the true love and invite them to church. Help us to show them how much you love them through our lives, God. Help us to prove it to them. God, today we want to ask you, help us to love our enemies. Help us to love Muslims. Help us to love Arabs. Help us to love Palestinians. And help us to tell them how much you love them, God. Help us to go to them in action and help them enjoy your love and salvation. Today, God, we believe in you that you blessed Calvary Chapel Albuquerque big time not only because you love this church God but you have big plans eternal purposes from blessing this church is to use the church as a blessing to multitudes of families including multitudes of Muslims in Jesus name we pray Amen I want to also give you a chance if you never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior uh, it's a good time to open your hearts and to invite Jesus to come into your heart and to tell him, I believe in you that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And, uh, you know, sitting, sitting uh, among us here is my friend Gabriel Estrat. He came to visit us. You know, Gabriel is a Christian American. He worked with me in this book perhaps hundreds of hours. A few years we prayed, him and a Christian American editor, we prayed and we worked, we labored. We revised the book so many times. He's a Christian American. He could have, he's a, he's a genius in the computer. He could have said, no, I'm going to live for myself. But he donated his expertise to serve Jesus. And the book now in nine, nine languages and in many parts of the world, and saving Muslims to Christ, uh, winning Muslims to Christ all over the world, and God used a simple Christian American, as uh, a single dad, like Gabriel Estrat. So I wrote in the book that I acknowledge all the Christian Americans that helped our ministry, and I put his name, and your name can be put in heaven that God used you. I don't know how, Whatever God is guiding you, that God use you to get the gospel to so many Muslims. But I want to again say, if you never receive Jesus in your heart, let's pray for a few seconds. For those who are watching us, uh, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I want to invite you to come into my heart, come into my life. I believe that you are my Savior and my Lord. Help me to walk with God every day. Amen. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. 
If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.